As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Dieter Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Uh, are here with you. How's it going? Going well. Nice, sunny Tuesday, October day, my favorite time of year, and we get to talk about a win. Well, is that because we're looking back and not looking forward? Well, yeah, forward. The growlers, <laughs> the growler will be looking forward. We there, There's still stuff to hash over. Yeah, from, hold, uh, on to, from hold on to the Jags bounce. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's That's it. That's it. I, you know, I actually have. Uh, there is interesting thoughts on on what to make of the win over the Jags, um, that we can get to. That is very relevant to. I think that is really an interesting conversation that the Bengals are about to enter themselves into. That we're going to get into, and that involves playing with the big boys and uh, figuring out where this team is at. Um, we're going to get into that a little bit. And, and what you make of the way they've played the last couple of weeks against some teams that are are not as good. Um, but it's kind of interesting the way their schedule has shaped up. We'll hear from Zach Taylor in that regard. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the inability they still have in hitting the deep ball, but also an offshoot of that, how good Joe Burrow has been in another aspect Uh of the Bengals passing game and how the two are connected was something I'm working on now for this week, but I kind of want to talk about um, a little bit today. Jay's of course got stats. Some of them are sad, Um, but that's to be expected. We've got a run passer boot um, and plenty more that we're going to get to. Let's dive in. Um, Let's go. So the Bengals are one, two and one. They're, I you know how many teams I don't know could say this, but there there's three plays from three and one. You could say I would say that's you, fair. You know the high school throw in the opener, um, to where Burrow overthrows AJ wide open for a t- touchdown that arguably would have won in the game, or CZ Cavs, whichever one you prefer to. Uh, reference from that game, any number of fifty-two plays from the Eagles game, uh. And they they win that game. And what are we talking about? We're talking about a team that's three and one. Um, 
and that's and that's great. And I think if you look at the way they've played as a whole, um, there's a lot to be excited about there. But there is a very clear delineation in the teams the Bengals just played and the five they are about to play. And that is the next five opponents for the Bengals at Baltimore, at Indianapolis, Cleveland and Tennessee at home, by week at Pittsburgh. Sets up as the guts, the gauntlet of this 2020 season. Those teams are a combined 15 and 3. Baltimore, we know, one loss to Kansas City. <laughs> uh, Cleveland, we know, one loss to Baltimore. You know, Indy's 3 and 1 with the best defense in the NFL. Tennessee hasn't lost yet. Pittsburgh hasn't lost yet. They will play each other at some point. Uh, look, the, these are five really, really good teams, five potentially all playoff teams. They just got done playing four teams that, well, the Browns, you know, are obviously out of that conversation, three teams that probably won't make the playoffs. Um, oh, who knows the Eagles? NFC <laughs> East, man. The bottom line is this: it steps up dramatically, and there's a lot to take from the, let's call it what it was, the ass-kicking of the Jaguars that the Bengals had, running up over 500 yards and trouncing them in most every category. That's what you're supposed to do to bad teams. And the Bengals seem to finally be getting that together. They've definitively gotten better every week. Joe Burrows definitely got better every week. But how ready are they to take that and translate it to playing against these types of teams? How close to being in the mix with these types of teams are they? I am really interested to see after sort of four weeks of figuring out how it all works, seeing what the next five games looks like. And you're right. It's, it's, we are interested to see because they're one Oh and one in the last two weeks. Had they lost the last two games or had they lost to the Jags? You, there would be no, there would be no interest. You, you would kind of, you would think you would know what to expect in this gauntlet. Um, I'm, I'm really intrigued by the Baltimore game because it just, it seems like for whatever reason that the Bengals play well in Baltimore. We saw it last year. What an awful year. And they were right there in that game. And the other thing is th- this gauntlet that the Bengals are about to face is almost identical to what Baltimore has after the Bengals. And maybe you catch Baltimore looking ahead. Um, that, that classic trap game after the, after the Bengals, Baltimore goes to Philly, which who knows what they are. They would look bad against the Bengals, but come off a tie and go all the way out to the West coast and beat last year's NFC champs, the 49ers. But then after that, Baltimore has Pittsburgh, Indy, New England, and Tennessee. So Baltimore has got their own gauntlet coming after the Bengals. Maybe maybe the Bengals are riding the momentum from this little unbeaten streak, and, and they go in there and they they surprise the Ravens. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't take the money line, but it wouldn't <laughs> shock me either. I went and uh, I did have to go and look it up, um, and that was games the last decade where a team was a fourteen point uh, favorite. Uh, 
how many, take a guess, how many of 62 games with a 14-point favorite the upset was pulled on the money line? How many wins by the dog of 62? One. Five. Yeah. Five wins. Uh, the Bengals have been in 14-plus point dogs twice and covered both. Um, a the last game of the 18 season um, in Pittsburgh, they lost by three. And then they had another one um, also in the 2018 season at the Chargers where they lost by five, the Driscoll game. Um, <laughs> one of the worst two-point conversion calls of all time. And also they, they ruled him down when he was diving, that he gave himself up diving for the end zone. Ridiculousness. Um, anyway. If you go back farther than that, the, the last 10 times the Bengals have been 14-point underdogs, now they only won once, but they covered 9 out of 10 times. How about so, that? And Bengals have been covered machines this year, 3-0-1 yes. against the spread. So if you're looking to make, make, make a bet, I thought that – what did you think of that line? I thought that line seemed rather large, and may, you know it, it's it already has ducked under fourteen. So maybe we need to take that a closer look at what we're looking at because I think a lot of people saw that line and, and banked on the Bengals pretty quickly. It's a big number, but Baltimore, outside of the loss, Kansas City has been banging people. I mean, you know they're winning every game by double digits. So why why wouldn't you put them at a big number? Yeah, it's the second week in a row they've been 14-point favorites. They were they were favored by 14 at Washington last week and um, pushed. So that I, I was surprised by that because they were 14-point favorites on the road. I figured coming home, it, it playing a, a hot, quote-unquote, hot Bengals team, <laughs> um, maybe it would be in the 11-12 range. 14 was a little surprising. But again, it's not – not a true reflection of how they think it's going to go. It's it's a tr- it's a true estimate of how they get an equal number of bets on both sides. You you have to tempt the the Bengals backers with a few more extra points because that's that's how that's Vegas's mission to get equal money on both sides and then they collect the vig and that's how they make their profit. But the bottom line is five of sixty two. It's not a good, not a good track record for those fighting big numbers. Uh, but that's you know. That's part of what it is. I mean, that's that's where they are right now. And wh- I go back, and I feel like we reference this game a lot, but I do think it's fitting for where the Bengals are as a franchise right now. The confidence is building in a young team that's trying to figure it out. And by young, I mean, you know, young at quarterback, young at some key positions, new in working together for the first time, you know, gelling, I guess should say, maybe less than they are actually young. Um, but uh, it, when you look at that, they're, they're playing better each week. They get a lot from, even though it was the Jaguars, from from dismantling them and, and being able to do what they want. You can see the offense gaining a lot of confidence um, in itself and, and in Joe Burrow. And figuring itself out a little bit. You know, they're not going to face... Baltimore is a lot of things. A just tenacious pass-rushing group is not it. They're middle of the pack as far as that goes. I mean, they're no, they're okay. Their defense hasn't been great. They don't have their, you know... They don't have the dominance up front that 
uh, you've seen over the years, and that's good for the Bengals. It's always a key thing to watch with this team. You give Joe Burrow clean pockets, and you see what he can do. Um, whereas the first three weeks, I mean, those are three of the best pass rushing teams in football, and you saw what happened. So that when you're ever you're looking at matchups, look at that. All of that with all of that, you know, competing and and being close is good, but a team that starts to believe these five games are massive opportunities to really make them feel in this building like they're a real team and that they belong in this conversation because they just haven't proven that they belong in this conversation yet. Um, And there is something to needing to believe that. And these are five opportunities to post a win like going back, dating ourselves back to the first year, the Marvin Lewis era that so many fans still talk about beating Kansas City. At home, 9-0, and Kansas City comes in, a young emerging Bengals team with Chad Johnson guaranteeing a win, pulls off the upset, and really that catapulted their confidence as an organization years for three, for two, three years, it started. It started really that run. This can be that stretch for them, or it can be the latest slap in the face that you're you're nothing. Finding a way to hang on by a thread through this five and find some sense of yourself and ability to win a big game or two, man, can go a long, long way to a much more manageable second half of this season. And that for that reason, I I just look at this stretch as you know, in just incredibly important in the big picture. Yeah, even if they can pull out two of five and mm-hmm. play well in, in the losses, you're looking at three five at one, three five and one. Um, you're that's taking that. A, yeah, that I mean, that's about if what everybody was expecting. Six seven wins this year, anyhow. You're you're right on pace for that, and you've got the growing confidence of of beating some really good teams. You look at this stretch, there's, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, there's not a game where you say they can't win. I mean, Baltimore would be maybe the the biggest obstacle, and they, they get that one first. Um, and again, just because of, of the history of they've, even though this is a totally different team, totally different coaching staff, they've really, until last year, had kind of had Baltimore's number. And then they have the close loss in Baltimore, and then they just get absolutely dump-trucked in Cincinnati, but it, that, a win right there in Baltimore. And then this, this whole stretch just looks completely different, but I mean, I don't think it's crazy. to think they could go to Indy and win. And certainly they, they were, you talked about how they, there are a few plays away from being three and one. I mean, really that as much as Cleveland really kind of handled them, you take away that that fumble on the one yard line after they had just gotten the goal line stand, and it really felt like there was some momentum there. And, and the Bengals they Bengals scored on every drive in the second half of that game except for that fumble. Um, maybe that game goes a little different too. So sure, they they could beat the the Browns at home. The Titans are playing well, but they're they're squeaking out every single win. Uh, I wouldn't say that one's on. Un- unwinnable here at PBS. And who so, knows how they come out of their COVID situation? Exactly. Um, or if they do, I mean, yeah. It, what happens if they have to postpone another game and then they're they're sitting on a, a a double buy which nobody's ever seen before and looking at tons of rust. So yeah, it's I mean, it's all right there for them. 
you go to Baltimore and shock the world, and all of a sudden this is this is this could be a really dangerous team as as Joe just gets Joe Burrow gets more and more comfortable, and the they they start believing. And I don't mean I don't I don't I never like going like through the whole schedule, um, but I think through four games we now have a better feel of who's what. Who's who's a mess? Who's real? Who who's beatable? Who shouldn't be? And once the thing is, it's this: these five games are all crunched together like this. I think these are all real teams. I'd be willing to bet. I mean, if I was if I was power ranking these, which is one of my favorite things that people do, uh, I would you know I would think you'd say to me, Pittsburgh looks great. I Pittsburgh one, Baltimore two, Indy three. Cleveland and Tennessee four four, but they're all good. I mean, they're all the you know to me they're all real teams. After that, at Washington, t- they're terrible. Giants terrible. At Miami, you it'll be Tua. Who knows what's going on with them? They have been not been good. Dallas, I mean, we just saw Cleveland just run up almost fifty on them. Uh, you get Pittsburgh at home at Houston. Bill O'Brien fired. Uh, and then Baltimore at home to close out the season. You know, there's just getting two wins in this five and three, five, and one sets you up for the charge that we talked about at the beginning of the season that was the model of what this season would have to look like, and that was them finding a way to hang on early, getting themselves together, getting Joe Burrow going, getting the defense some time playing together and starting to find itself by the second half and making their run against a lighter schedule and kind of starting to become that team that they hope to be and that they're building towards in year two and two, three of the Zach Taylor era. It's right there for you, but they've got to find they, they You can't, you know, you've got to, you got to prove that you can play with the big boys and win a couple of these. So run past your boot. Yeah. Most likely. How many wins in the next five? Do they win one or less? Two or three plus? Boot three plus. Boot and three plus. Just <laughs> right off go, the bat. Going three and two in this five. <laughs> if they go three and two in this five, we're talking about a lot different things. I mean, we're we're talking about their, you know, the playoffs the and winning playoff the tickets. North. You know what I yeah. mean? Because let's not forget the all the other aspect of these five games is is you know you're playing every team in your division, um, so uh, we're talking about a whole lot a whole lot different uh, conversation if they do that. So boot, yeah, boot. yes, boot three play. I mean, if you're looking for value, you you've got there's there's multiple options on both ends of this, but I'm booting the three plus. I'm going to run with two. I, I I think I think they find I I maybe the two at home. Um, maybe they split at home and they find a way to win in Indy. Um, but I, I think that's the most likely I'll, I'll run with two. I'll pass on zero or one. And like I said, I'm booting three plus. I just, I, I don't think they're quite there yet. Ready to, to pull off that kind of stretch. Yeah. I boot three plus as well. It, it, yeah. It does come down to, do they win one or two? For me, I mean, I think I think they've I think they'll find a way to win one. I don't know if they can win two, and, and I just that's really it. Go two and three in this stretch, and you and you you feel great about yourself. And I, I, so I, I, but I'm gonna I'm gonna run with run with zero to one uh, and pass on two. Um, but I yeah I think 
you take a lot from the Jacksonville game, but you know, I don't know. It's hard. They're a hard team to judge right now because you see an ascension and you see things going the right direction, but there's still the back of your mind that there's these are going to be games that are going to have to win close games. They're going to have to make a couple of plays in some big spots, and and maybe Burrow can do that. Uh, maybe he can make them start to believe in that respect, and that can turn into a snowball. But it's really interesting to watch, and it's just it's it's kind of a. This is why you if you're a fan, this is why you like it. This is why you watch. It's a chance for an, a young uh, up and coming team to try to prove themselves against the the top tiers of the league and the top tiers of your division. And that should be fun to watch and see how they stack up. Let's take a quick break here before we move on and hear from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You go up and you lose to Baltimore. Yeah, you, you should. Like Most people are going to go to Baltimore and lose. They're really good. They're a really good team. But... Um, you know, there's there's a lot of element to these where you can you can have a really fun, memorable game if you're a Bengal fan of watching Joe Burrow start to break through. Um, I want to bring in Zach Taylor, kind of on, you know, the expectations of winning coming off of Sunday, and kind of there's a little bit of what that means in the big picture there, and uh, and and the building of confidence, sort of, with a team needing to validate whatever you want to call it, uh, what they've been doing. Here's Zach Taylor. I, I, we, don't, we don't worry about the validation part of things. It's just the, the players and the coaches need to feel the win. We, we, work, we work hard. We feel like we're doing the right things. Um, the players are doing the things we ask, and you need that reward. You've worked for, for nine months to get ready for the season, and it needs to pay off in the win column. And so, again, we, do, we don't worry about uh, the validation or anything like that. It's more just the, the players feeling what it feels like to win and um, that expectation has got to be there for us every single week, and it is. And, uh, you know, this is just the, the first step in the right direction. All right, uh, that was Zach Taylor from Zooms on Monday uh, talking a little bit about, you know, sort of whether the, you need to validate what they've been doing but just kind of what the wind has created a little bit. Um, by the way, Football Outsiders, DVOA, uh, they do the the uh, mean wins uh, based on the way you've played overall um they run like thirty thousand simulations you know all this six and a half for the Bengals right now is is what they project what projects out to the way that they've been playing of course that doesn't count the ascension factor potentially where you're hoping that if you're a Bengals fan if you're seeing the optimistic eyes you view it through 
you know, they will be playing much better down the stretch and have the, uh, a large shot at growth because of the growth potential of Joe Burrow. Um, so six and a half, though, you know, again, we talked about what a success looks like at the beginning of the year. Six and a half wins, um, you know, six, nine and one. I think you take it. <laughs> it's a little better than what I mean, because what was the number five and a half at five the and a half of the year? Vegas, yeah. So really a six and a half. You would think that you've seen enough over the first quarter of the season to think they're they're more improved than just one game. But, you know, there again, it's that the, you, you talked about it. They, they don't they just go by data and in these simulations. You can't factor in those intangibles like confidence and growth and, and all that type of stuff, the ascension factor, like you mentioned. Um, I would if you if you were setting that as a betting line right now, six and a half, I think I'd take the over. I think they could, I think there's a good shot. They could finish seven, eight and one. Yeah, I'd be. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't be taking the over. I six nine and one that feels flush for them right now. I, I don't. I don't know that I would be going going over yet. But you don't know. I mean, maybe you feel different if you see them win one of these next couple of games, and you feel different about everything. I mean, the big thing is Joe Burrow is getting better every week, and that's what this comes back to. This whole season, every conversation, Joe Burrow is getting better every week, and. It shows he's more efficient. He's making more plays. He's gaining more trust in his receivers. And that's a big part of it. There's one aspect that you see as the next growth level, in my opinion, for him and this offense that has been, well, it's been awful thus far. And we've discussed it here. And I'm going to write more about it this week. And that's the deep ball. 20 plus yards in the air, however you're characterizing that. They have none of it. They have no explosion. There's a number of different reasons. I kind of went through and watched all 22 of them um, on the all 22. And there's a few themes, but the bottom line is they're one. he's one for 22, throwing the ball 20-plus yards in the air That with a drop. Uh, Higgins dropped this past week where it hit him in the face mask. <laughs> uh, they didn't count the Ross one as a drop? They did not. Um. I guess he never even touched it, did he? He kind of short. Yeah, I mean, I think the angles on that make it tough to officially. I mean, you definitely could call that a drop, but they they technically have the Higgins one as as a drop and not the Ross one. But one for 22, that percentage, or counting two for 22 on the adjusted percentage of accuracy, is the lowest in the PFF grading error on deep passing through the first four games, which goes back to 06. Outside of uh, it's really close with Jamarcus Russell, um, back That's in like not a 07 or Anna Kitna, and there's like an 06 Kitna in there, I think. Um, no, that's not a compliment. Um, you know, number one pick out of LSU is where Joe Burrow wants all Jamarcus Russell <laughs> comps to end. <laughs> uh, but that is a remarkable figure and a concerning area for this team there there's a few elements to this one being that in the intermediate areas in front of that 10 to 19 yards joe burrow might be the best quarterback in football he has been incredible he has been a destroyer in the intermediate and some of that is defense's 
the schemes that are going up against are playing a lot of this too high, keep everything in front of them, and basically saying, we'll force you to just take a bunch of plays to go down the field. And Joe Burrow pointing out, uh, yeah, that's my wheelhouse, bro. Like he has been just light, he's so accurate, so quick, so effective in that range of just, you know, he's hit, he's 30 of 44 from 10 to 19, a 68% accuracy in that for, for a decent throw, 481 yards, a touchdown, and no picks. You know, the difference between that and the over the top is really intriguing to me. How, at what point do defenses start creeping up saying we can't let Joe Burrow just continue to crush us in the intermediate and then they're able to start hitting over top a little more. The problem is the early it's been the tar is T Higgins has not made the deep contested balls. A lot of them have gone to him and AJ Green hasn't had any explosion. And the and it is and these are two guys that Burrow didn't have any any real work with at all and is still learning how to throw to them and they're and Higgins is still learning how to be an NFL receiver and AJ Green's still learning how to be an old NFL receiver. And so those things combined have created this issue on the deep ball. But if they can find ways to start to work that chemistry out, man, then you have all elements firing in the passing game, but it's a matter of if they'll be able to. I'm curious now because I'm, I'm as you're you're talking about this and I'm I'm going through the the one for 22. Um, what counted as the one was it the they had three plays over CJ's 20 touchdown CJ's okay that's what I thought the, the touchdown in yards. Cleveland because they T had a 30 yarder last week but that was a catch and run I couldn't so remember. there were a number there are a number of passes that are like 19 yards in the air when okay. you go back and watch I mean the the ball to Seathan Carter which was gorgeous. Maybe Joe Burrow's best throw as a pro um, in the Jacksonville game was 19 yards in the air. I mean, there's a, there are a few of those. So what are, it's, it's about those over, it's just a, it's a, you need to draw the line somewhere and it's about over the top. And we have not seen that element. We've seen throw some, he's overthrown AJ a bunch of times. He's thrown it out about thrown out of bounds a little bit. A couple of times there's been some drops. Higgins hasn't been able to go get a ball. There's, you know, Ross hasn't been able to track it down. You know, we, we've seen all different reasons. Most of them have come down to AJ and Higgins, unable to make plays um, because you know there's there's we talked a lot about Joe Burrow as one of the most accurate deep ball throwers in college history last year well we're not seeing the types of I mean this ain't dudes running free okay this isn't you know Justin Jefferson running untouched by a wake forest safety or whatever you know what I mean no, no offense, Jesse Bates, uh, but you, you, this is, it's just it's a different ball game, and you don't you do you you occasionally will see you know the go ball where the guy gets got gets by somebody or running free up the post. It's not very often. It happens, but not very often. The majority are going to have to be balls that you throw up that guys make plays for you on. And they're just not making plays for him, whether they can't anymore in the case of AJ or they're still learning to in the case of T. Higgins. And I think that's really an area that the the three of them need to get figured out. Yeah, that's one of the things that's more surprising about AJ is like you would expect a guy that age, 
missing as much time as he has to have lost a step or two. But I mean, how many times did we see he wasn't really open and Andy would just chuck it up and AJ would make the play on the ball and he would just his, his, his ball skills in the air. He's so good at that. And, and they're not even able to, to come down with those now. And, and maybe that's part of Joe, not, not really knowing AJ well enough yet and, and not wanting to, to risk um, throwing a contested ball and, and kind of waiting for AJ to be wide open, like you mentioned, and it, it's just not happening. But that, that, that's one of the more surprising elements is that he, you, if it's third and long and you, you just need a play, chuck it up there and, and let AJ try a jump ball. Um, yeah. And, and speaking of surprising that, I mean, I don't know if I've ever been as, as surprised on a play as I was that Seathan Carter pass because we, we saw in training camp since Seathan's been here, he's, he's great on special teams, but he doesn't have the best hands. And that, that one was so wide open and he, as good of a ball as it was from Joe, he, he still had to make a, it wasn't just like dropped right in his stomach. He had to reach up and get it. And he showed some really good hands on that, that play. I, I think he was that wide open because they watch film and they know that he's a guy they're probably not going to go to. And so that was, that was an, another element to, to add to the offense. And, and, and the other thing with the, the deep ball is timing and, and confidence and all that surely will, will help as they move through the season, but getting Mixon going this week, um, just having that run game to use play action off of that's where a lot of those that deep ball success is going to come from and if if Joe can keep running the ball like that and the offensive line can keep blocking like they did against the Jaguars which admittedly not a great defense but as long as you can be even average a little above average in the run game you can you can start taking a little more shots and you just have to one for 22 there's no way his next 22 deep balls, we're only going to see one or two completions. It feels like they're going to start hooking up on, on some of these, maybe not to the extent that he's he's in the same range as he is in the inter- intermediate right now, but they don't need that. They just need to hit a couple and, and really open up this offense. I mean, when you talk about chemistry – the that is the that is the hardest element of chemistry is scramble drill and throwing the ball up top and understanding where to try to put it and how to, how you make plays down there anybody can go out and and throw slants and pick that up quickly or throw whatever but knowing whether to go you know back shoulder down one side or throw them up the middle or just toss it up or whatever it is i mean whatever you're talking about is a, is about getting to know guys getting to know what they can do and and with AJ Green I think nobody knew what he could do <laughs> these first few weeks everyone's wondering what he can do and learning what he can do well through four weeks we know now I think we know who he is he's a, a rich man's Auden Tate if you will I mean he's got he's got he still has fabulous hands he's he still has a you know a, a great catch radius He's not going to be able to run and go get it like he used to. So you you start treating it that way, and you can that can be effective. Like I mean, we've seen that can still make plays for you, and they you need to learn how to do it that way. And so I think there's going to be a lot to to that and figuring that out. Um, they need that weapon. I mean, to play when we the earlier conversation about these these five teams to play with these teams, you need that weapon. 
they're gonna they're gonna need to hit that. That could be the difference between them hanging with these teams and kind of still be in the same old, uh, you know, middling back quadrant of the league. Bengals. It's it's also an area that you have to take the next step in, and and so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with this. But a, a really interesting trend to watch, and there's a number of reasons for what to why it's happened. Uh, but you know, I think. It's something to continue to keep an eye on because, you know, it's just really odd to see a guy that was so good at it in college and they continue now to have these struggles um, at this level. All right, before we move on, let's uh, take a quick break. Jay, you have stats. And I have an opinion. Jay, you need to pay back all the lost wages for your tie stat last week that people were banking on. It was very persuasive that you pointed out that all what the history of teams playing after a tie and how many had lost. Many had lost. And you sold us all on this. You sold it. And you sold us down the river. Eagles win, Bengals win, narrative busted. What do you have to say for yourself, Jay Morrison? I will happily pay back all of those losses if people will pay me all of their wins from all the stats I gave them uh, <laughs> prior to last week's podcast. Because don't, don't you know, I've helped you more than I've hurt you. That's true. That's <laughs> true. That's true. That it was it was thrown back in your face by a couple of different followers, and uh, I appreciated them holding you accountable. And so maybe you approach with caution my my previous stat in this podcast that the Bengals have covered nine of the last ten times when they've been fourteen point dogs. I'm not endorsing <laughs> that. I'm just pointing it out. Just pointing it out. Um, we talked about your stat earlier, and it showed up on Monday Night Football last night. Uh, Atlanta yeah. now um, and how many points they had given up in the last two minutes of the second quarter. And you had to have been watching that if you're watching that game thinking like, wait, that Jay stat, that's the Bengals stat. How could it be? Well, the Bengals had the most points in that time frame since 2016 given up. So they, they, they weren't getting the respect, the disrespect they deserved. Yeah, it was kind of an oversight on my part. I was I I always focused on number of times they gave up scores in the in the final two minutes of the first half, but I never looked at it from the the angle of how many points that is. And the, the Falcons had given up two hundred and eleven, and the Bengals had given up two hundred fifteen. So the Bengals were leading the league in points allowed in the final two minutes of the first half until. Aaron Rodgers threw another touchdown pass last night. Now the Falcons are sitting at 218, and they are the leader. Um, and it, it's interesting because uh, if you look at the teams that are good at that, you as you would expect, the Patriots, best in the league. They've only given up 94 points in the, in the final two minutes of the first half since 2016. But number two, Pittsburgh Steelers, 102. And number four, Baltimore Ravens, 123 points. So teams in the division, teams that the, are coming up on the Bengals' schedule, uh, never will the the final two minutes of the first half be more important than than in those games. And the, as bad as the Bengals have been in the final two minutes of the first half against everybody, 
against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they've given up points in the final two minutes of the first half, 23 of the last 28 games. It is <laughs> unreal. And there's a, there's a, a few games in there where the Steelers actually scored twice in the final two minutes of the first half. So that, that, that always, I always bring that up when they play the Steelers because it, it just feels like even if the Bengals score in the final two minutes of the first half, like they did last week against Jacksonville, they turn around and give it right back up when they're playing the Steelers. Nobody does end of half futility like the Bengals and the Falcons. And, uh, and then uh, the next in line in that stat was is Washington. Are we seeing the common theme here at the bottom? Yes. <laughs> like it's these are lose. These are called losing plays. These are. This is like it, there is winning time and there is losing time, and this is losing time. Okay, you can't win a game there. You can definitely lose it. Falcons, Bengals, Washington football team, proven that. Number five is the Lions, and number six is the Browns. So yeah, they're, that that just proves that's that's losing that is relevant. Time. <laughs> <laughs> um so that is a that's we should we should re we need to make that a thing we need to start du- getting that out there losing time how do you do in losing time that is what we need to talk about because people always talking about winning time crunch time clutch gene let's talk about losing time um little update on the growler bet from this past weekend the of course our Offensive line inefficiency number was total sack yardage, uh, total offensive line penalty yardage, Joe Burrow rushing yardage, and then it was the difference between because we had to get complicated. It was the difference between uh, what a four point oh yards per carry day would be for Joe Mixon, um, which ended up. What did that end up? What did that negative end end up being? Minus 51, because he had 25 carries, so the, the number, it should have been 100, and he went over that by 51. By 51. So the number, shout-out offensive line. We spend a lot of time dogging him. The number, actually, the inefficiency number, ended up negative 21 overall. So they were efficient. A good day for the offensive line against the Jaguars. So none of you, by the way, thought the offensive line would be efficient in this game. We had no responses that had it in a negative. So shame on you. You call yourself fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so no, but no winners this week. We'll have the uh, latest Bengals growler bet coming up on Thursday. I've got a, I got a good idea for that one. I think, I think we might have something good for you. So reminder, uh, you just send us your answers when we give it to you. Hashtag Bengals growler bet. And uh, or to you can send you can email to me pdaner at theathletic.com. and if you do that you can win delicious fifty west beer a growler of it on us on us that's the kind of guys we are we're givers and home sweet homes out now which is just the freaking best I love it so much um so just imagine what could be so listen on Thursday. Uh, to the Growler, and we'll be talking about the Ravens game. We'll be talking to Jeff Zrebeck, uh, and we'll be talking all about that, and you can win some 50 West. Uh, speaking of talking to Jeff Zrebeck, am I doing that, or are you doing that? Who won that one? Uh, you won that because I went <laughs> against the trend of my own stat. Yeah. Uh, our, our theme of the was, week. 
who, <laughs> yes, who was, uh, what would be the time on the clock that the Jaguars scored their final points of the first half? I, I thought the Bengals would stop it. And I went with uh, 325 left in the first half. You went with, what was it, I believe, four Ten seconds, seconds Ten I seconds. said, That's and right. it was six seconds. And it it was six seconds. So, yes, you, you won that easily. <laughs> easily, yes. I actually have you down for four seconds on that one. Maybe. maybe oh, no, went, I think I did 10 seconds uh, in the press box. In the press box, I did yeah. four seconds on this one. So, so you only missed by two seconds. That's you knew impressive. what I was going for, and it happened. <laughs> yeah. We've, I've, we've seen this movie. That's all I had to say about that. Uh, so Jay will be talking with Jeff Streebeck this week um, as the loser of the growler bet. All right. Uh, anything else you'd like to get to, Jay? What's, what's happening in the world of Arby's these days? We I were asked to Arby's. power rank Arby's sandwiches a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, we didn't get to that, did we? We never got to it. And I, I want to apologize to the followers that uh, asked for this and those that would maybe have to listen to us do it. Uh, but, I mean, how, what, how many sandwiches are there really to power rank? Yeah, that's the thing. I, they they have quite a few, but I, I just have my my standbys i i I get the regular roast beef that's just my favorite that's my favorite one there yeah that's number one and and number (laughs) i love how serious you get about it once we start talking about arby's (laughs) like this is serious business for you (laughs) whatever if they have 20 sandwiches number 20 is the beef and cheddar i just that 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 cheese is it's not even cheese no um this from someone who worked at arby's and lived and breathed that cheese yes and therefore knows exactly what it is um, what is it? Can you can you go ahead and? I, I that don't know secret? what it is. I know what it's not, and it's not cheese. <laughs> <laughs> now, my my second favorite would be the uh, turkey bacon club on the the fresh deli sandwich. That's that is very very good. Uh, but usually, when I go to Arby's, it's it's two regular roast beef sandwiches, some jalapeno poppers, and depending on what mood I'm in, possibly a shake. The Jamoka shake. Would be the top of my list of things to do at Arby's outside of leave. Uh, Never had it. It's that is that is the one thing that I will give them credit for. It is it is delicious. I'll have um, to try that. All right. Well, thanks everybody for uh, listening. That'll wrap it up for us. We we you know we wrapped it up exactly how you hoped we would. Talking about Arby's sandwiches. Uh, so. Reminder, uh, the Growler coming up on Thursday. Of course, all our coverage. Jay's final thoughts. Um, are up now as well as a story inside how the Bengals unlocked Joe Mixon that I had from after the game. Twib will be it will be up for you uh, tomorrow morning with a little deeper look at some of the things we've been talking about. All of that plus all of our coverage uh, across the NFL, NBA, baseball, hockey, golf. Premier League, we have insiders everywhere, over 400 reporters all under one umbrella, $1 per month right now. You cannot find a better time to join. Best deal we've ever done, $1 per month right now. Go to theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling. There should be a link there to subscribe. Subscribe, come join us, uh, and uh, I hope you will like it. Anyway, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Hear That Podcast Growling.